top wealth holders, they manage to reshuffle their portfolio away from housing because they have housing for investment towards financial assets. And this is something that bottom wealth holders cannot do because they only have housing for consumption. Hi, I'm Clémentine Vanifontaire. I'm an assistant professor of economics at the University of Toronto, and this is Inequality Talks. Clara Martinez Toledano received her PhD from the Paris School of Economics. She is a postdoctoral fellow at the Columbia Business School and wealth distribution coordinator at the World Inequality Lab. In 2021, she will join Imperial College Business School as an assistant professor of finance and economics. Her research interests include public and household finance, macroeconomics, and economic history. We talked about why looking at dynamics on the housing market is critical to understand the evolution of wealth inequality. Changes in house prices do not affect all households the same way. She explained to me how her recent research can be useful to design targeted stabilization policies and to mitigate the effects of housing or other economic crises, especially among the poorer households. Hi, Clara. How's it going? Hi, Clementine. I'm fine, thanks. Good. So I'm really happy you're here to talk with me about your work. So in your work, you are focusing on what happens to wealth inequality during housing booms and busts, so during rapid changes in the market price of housing. I wanted to uh, give us just a quick overview of why it is crucial to study the interaction between inequality and housing from a macroeconomic perspective. Indeed, I study how uh, housing booms and busts uh, interact with the wealth distribution. And the reason why we should care about it is because house price cycles have not the same impact across the whole wealth distribution. The reason is that the importance of housing is different across wealth groups. For instance, the bottom 90% of the wealth distribution has a larger share of housing in their portfolio than the top, that has a larger share of financial assets. And we thus ultimately care about the dynamics of wealth inequality during business cycles from a macroeconomic perspective because they matter for consumption. And if they matter for consumption, but as a consequence, they will also matter for welfare. Yeah, and so housing is a really important asset for certain uh, household groups, right? Can you tell a bit more about that? Yeah, exactly. The composition of housing significantly varies along the wealth distribution. Bottom wealth holders then mainly hold housing for consumption in the form of a primary residence. And they also tend to have a mortgage attached to it. Contrary to top wealth holders, for which housing is not only a means of consumption, but also a means for investment. So they tend to accumulate also housing uh, to then rent it out and make some income out of it. And so the context of your study is Spain. Can you tell us a little about the specificities of this country in terms of the inequality level, the trends, and maybe the macroeconomic condition you're looking at? So the reason why I focus on Spain, it's because it's an idea laboratory as the country has experienced two large housing booms and busts in the last four decades. And it has also reliable statistics on individual asset ownership for this period of time. Spain is a country that, in terms of inequality levels, is uh, similar to continental Europe, a bit lower maybe than France and the UK. 
And the reason is that housing accounts for a very large share of total uh, household wealth in Spain, larger than what we see, uh, for instance, as I said, in other continental Europe uh, countries. So many households are homeowners in Spain. Is that, is that what that means? Yes, exactly. Uh, in Spain, approximately 80% of the population had a primary residence in uh, 2007 at the peak of the housing boom. In recent years, this ratio has declined, reaching around 70%. And the reason is that young people cannot have access to housing anymore because of difficulties to get a mortgage. And you mentioned the importance of the data sets that you use. I, I just wanted to spend a bit of time on the impressive amount of data that you gather for your study. Can you walk us through and give us a quick overview of the type of data sets that you combine together? So to construct wealth inequality series, one usually needs to combine different sources because not all sources have all the information needed. So what I do in the case of Spain is to combine individual tax records from personal income tax returns with household surveys and national accounts. The reason why I have to combine all these is because wealth surveys are only available for recent years, contrary to tax records for which we have information since the 80s. One important distinction you make in your study is the difference between changes in inequality that are due to prices changes and those that are due to saving responses. Can you walk us through this distinction and why it is important? So as I was saying, the portfolio composition of households significantly differs along the wealth distribution. So bottom wealth holders have mainly housing contrary to top wealth holders for which financial assets are more important. Hence, when asset prices change, if for instance, housing prices change, this will affect differently the bottom than the top of the distribution. However, asset prices are not the only mechanism through which the wealth distribution might change. Individuals might also have a different saving behavior. And what I observe and document for the Spanish case is that top wealth holders, they have larger saving rates. That's similar to other countries. But what is particularly surprising in the Spanish context is that the evolution of saving rates by asset type differs between the boom and the bust. So during housing booms, top wealth holders tend to save a large share on housing. However, when the housing crisis arises, what they do is that they de-save in housing and start to save a much larger fraction on financial assets. So what they do is that they reshuffle their portfolio away from housing towards financial assets during housing busts in order to minimize the wealth losses from the decline in housing prices. So there is an asymmetry in the response depending on the, where you are in the business cycles, right? Exactly. And this, what is also, I think, important to mention is that this asymmetry only happens at the top of the wealth distribution. And that's why it is important to focus on the full wealth distribution and not only on the upper part or the lower part. La minute technique. So in this podcast, researchers take one minute to try to explain one technical aspect of their work. I wanted to ask you to give us the intuitions behind the asset-specific decomposition that you do and why it's important in the study of wealth inequality. 
One of the novelties in this uh, paper is that I carry for the first time an asset-specific decomposition of wealth accumulation. So what is this? So in a nutshell, this decomposition allows me not only to look at what fraction of the change in wealth is due to changes in asset prices and what fraction is due to changes in savings. So what I further do with this decomposition is to look at the composition of saving. So what share of the saving goes to housing and what share goes to financial assets. And the reason why this is important is because otherwise we would not be able to identify these asymmetries in the evolution of saving rates during booms and busts. So overall, what are the key results of your decomposition? I find that wealth inequality declines during housing booms, but it suddenly increases during housing busts. The main drivers of the decline in wealth inequality during housing booms are differences in asset prices. The reason is that housing prices increase more than financial assets, and because bottom wealth holders have a larger share of housing in their portfolio, they benefit relatively more from the rise in housing prices. However, asset prices do not seem to explain the reversal in wealth concentration during housing busts. The reason is that I observe large differences in saving behavior across wealth groups. Top wealth holders, they manage to reshuffle their portfolio away from housing because they have housing for investment towards financial assets. And this is something that bottom wealth holders cannot do because they only have housing for consumption. And this reshuffling of assets away from housing towards financial assets by top wealth holders implies that wealth concentration increases during this period. So I want to spend some time on the mechanisms behind these changes. So we understood that rich households have a greater ability to change the composition of assets they hold. Why is it the case? This is a very good question. So there are many reasons which can explain why top wealth holders manage to resuffle their portfolio much faster and in a better and a more efficient way than bottom and middle wealth holders. What I find um, in my research is that portfolio adjustment frictions seem to be playing a very important role. The reason is that the composition of housing is very different along the wealth distribution. Bottom wealth groups tend to have housing for consumption, contrary to top wealth holders for which housing for investment is more important. And because housing for consumption doesn't allow people to reshuffle their portfolio because they, this is a house where they are living in, they are not able to reshuffle their portfolio. However, top wealth holders, they not only own one house, which is their primary residence, they also own more than one or more than two or three properties that they rent them out to make some income out of it. And so during housing busts, the reason why top wealth holders are able to reshuffle and go away from housing is through selling these houses that they were renting out to make some income out of it. And this is something that the bottom of the wealth distribution cannot do 
because they don't own these type of properties. They only have housing for consumption. I want to discuss the main takeaways of your work in terms of policy. We have seen that taking into account the valuation effects, so changes in prices of assets and saving effects, so behavioral responses of household is key to understand the distributional effect of booms and busts in the housing market. What does it teach us for the design of appropriate stabilization policies? Yes, indeed, the time series that I have compiled in this paper, and especially the decompositions that I do of wealth accumulation between valuation effects and saving effects by asset class, could be very useful for policymakers, both at national and international levels, to design targeted stabilization policies aimed at mitigating the effects of housing or other economic crises, especially among bottom well holders. For instance, it would be important um, to have access to this type of decomposition to look at the high levels of indebtedness ratios that we see at the bottom of the wealth distribution, the fact that also bottom wealth holders have lower saving rates and hence the low consumption levels that during these periods we observe for this group of the distribution. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you if you have a particular recommendation for our listeners, a book, a movie, or something that inspired you, you would like to share. I would like to recommend you to read the fascinating book, The Hidden Wealth of Nations, published by Gabriel Sukman in 2015. 8% of global financial wealth is held offshore. Until Gabriel came up with these estimations, most inequality studies neglected offshore wealth. For me, this book was quite interesting because... I was always very interested in knowing more about how the rich are able to move assets away from their country of residence to other regions. But I was always curious to know how big this movement was. And the estimate of Gabriel provided for the first time evidence that this movement of assets away from country of origins to other tax havens was non-negligible. This book has also uh, motivated part of my research. In fact, I'm currently calculating or estimating the impact of wealth taxes on migration to tax havens using the Spanish context as in the paper and the research I have discussed today. Okay, thank you very much, Clara, for your time. Thank you, Clementine. It was a pleasure. This was Inequality Talks, a podcast recorded by Clémentine Vanefonter in Toronto. Music is by The Count. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.